This message is brought to you by DoNotAge.org, the longevity research organisation that's on a mission to extend health span for as many people as possible via products that actually work. Start your journey today at DoNotAge.org and use code LAMA for a 10% discount. That's L-L-A-M-A. Hello and welcome to the Llama Podcast. I'm Peter Bowes and Llama, Live Long and Master Aging, is where we explore the science and stories behind human longevity. Now, Silicon Valley and the tech world generally has, I think it's fair to say, embraced with some enthusiasm the quest to live a longer healthier life. For some, that means living forever. I don't think we're quite there yet. For others, it means putting money and expertise into developing the technology that will help us navigate the world we live in and perhaps maximise our chances of staying healthy for as long as possible. On an earlier episode of this podcast, we heard about the implantable and wearable devices, including microsensors that could in the near future, deliver a daily readout of those vital biomarkers, a kind of real-time commentary on our state of health. That's information that could help us make vital lifestyle decisions to optimise our state of health. But what if you don't want to have an implanted device or a micro-sensor or wear a device that feels, just to you, overly intrusive? We all have our comfort levels, and they're very different sometimes. Well, today I'm in Burbank in California to meet Kurt von Bedinsky, who's the co-founder of the company Motive. It's a new kind of sensor, a ring, that he and his co-workers have developed, and it's designed to be very unobtrusive. Hi, Kurt. Hello, how are you? We're in Burbank right now. This is where you live. Your company is actually in San Francisco. Correct. Yeah, we actually started the company in Valencia. And uh, shortly after ramping the company up, we got a lot of investment in, from the Silicon Valley area. And we found that a lot of the talent that's required for making a product in uh, today's market, uh, a lot of those guys actually reside up in San Francisco. So uh, luckily, some of our uh, other co-founders are actually had an office already in San Francisco. And we use that as kind of a home base and uh, grew the company from there. And it is fair to say, I think, that Silicon Valley has certainly embraced this genre, you could say, of uh, what we can do to live a longer, healthier life, the whole issue of human longevity, embraced it in terms of developing technology. Yeah, I think in, in general, if you like, uh, you know, a lot of the guys from Google have backed companies that are looking for longevity solutions. I think it's a general theme. I think it's a really exciting area. Uh, for us, we're, we're trying to take a partial stab at that by at least giving people some information on their daily lives and we're just trying to get people information on their daily lives as far as some biometric information, you know, uh, heart rate, activity levels, things like that, that can lead to that that longer life and that that kind of lifestyle. And this is the, the ring, the motive right. ring that you are developing. Yes. Just tell us a little bit about it. Uh, so the motive ring, it's it looks like any other ring that you'd see. Uh, it almost looks like a wedding band in some regards. Uh, so it's really small. It's very lightweight. Uh, it's made out of titanium. Inside it, we have circuitry, we have accelerometers and heart rate sensors, we have a battery. Uh, So we had to pack a lot of stuff in a really small space, but the idea is that it gives you the ability to measure your heart rate throughout the day. It also allows you to measure activity level, like if you're walking or running. Uh, And I I think the biggest part about it is being a ring is something you can wear all the time, you know? So we're we're looking for ways to make it a little bit less... uh, 
less obtrusive in people's lives. I think a lot of people have problems with uh, wrist wrist mounted devices and rubber bands on their on their wrists. And uh, we're trying to make some strides towards getting something that people can wear all the time and feel comfortable with it all the time. Well, we'll talk in much more detail about the technology and perhaps how it differs from similar technologies that yeah. help us gather this kind of data. First of all, I'm interested in talking a little bit about you and, and, and your background and what brought you to this point in terms of developing this kind of technology. Yeah, where did it start? My background is I've, um, I mean, if you go back to the very beginning, I actually grew up in the middle of the desert, uh, up in the Mojave Desert. Uh, so most of my childhood was running around in the heat, you know, just trying to find creative ways to keep myself occupied. Uh, so there was a lot of just making things all the time. And I think that kind of led me into mechanical engineering where I uh, ended up inevitably going. Uh, so for me, I, I went to Cal Poly. I was there for a while. Then I also decided to, um, I wanted to get a little bit more experience in the world. So I decided to actually move up to Silicon Valley where uh, I ended up working for Cisco Systems for several years. I was doing network equipment and things like that. That kind of hit a plateau in terms of uh, my learning. And I decided I wanted to do something a little bit more fun. So I went to work for Lockheed. I did a lot of R&D things there where we did robotics and um, some cutting edge things for um, for a number of programs that I can't really talk about. But uh, it was a great experience in that I, I really was able to hone my abilities uh, with regards to electronics and programming and mechanical engineering even more. I went from there to a product design company in Palo Alto where I got into consumer products. And then from there, I decided to start a company with my brothers uh, where we made camera accessories. Um, and so that... I think the entire path that I've taken, I've always been interested in things that that I'm just excited about. So when I had my camera company with my with my family, um, I was always looking at other things, right? So I had a lot of interest in the wearable space, mainly because of the fact that I just personally wasn't sleeping at all. I would I would essentially be working at a computer all the time. I'd spend 18 hours at a time at the computer. I'd fall asleep at my desk sometimes. Um, I had a cot that was really uncomfortable about 10 feet away. And sometimes if I didn't fall asleep completely, I'd roll over to the cot and sleep for a few hours and go back to work. So I think it was just a really crazy lifestyle for me at the time. Uh, and this is a familiar story, especially in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, it was, um, I think it's, it's kind of a story of a lot of entrepreneurs. You find yourself, um, you know, there's a lot of real world uh, realities of having your own company, you know, this, the constant stress of always having to come up with the money every month to pay off all your, all your leases, all your bills, all your employees. And I, and I think that that burden really kind of pushed me to really push, uh, to, to get as much stuff done as I could. And, and to, to some degree, I think I thought I was doing the right thing, but I think in the same token, if I backed away, I probably could have been a little bit more productive. But when I was looking at the wearable stuff, I think what I was really interested in is trying to find ways to track what I was doing a little bit better. Because when I just fall asleep at a desk, I don't really remember what time I fell asleep. And I was trying to at least try to make some inkling of effort towards getting better. So you're actually trying to find out to what extent you were damaging your body. Yeah. I mean, and it's in, in actuality, it's I feel like that was a big part of it. The other part of it was I just... Um, I didn't feel like I was actually exercising at all. I mean, essentially, I'd be sitting behind a desk all hours of the day, the only exercise I get would be on a weekend and I'd go maybe do something fun like hiking or going out in a sailboat or something. But it was, it was something where I really needed to kind of change the direction I was going. Did you feel sick as a result? Did you feel I actually, unhealthy? It's, it's funny because I, well, it's not really funny, but I, there were, there was one instance where uh, I worked, I don't remember how many hours in a week. It was something like 115 hours in a week. It was ridiculous. And I was preparing for a trade show and 
the weekend came around and one of my friends said, hey, you want to go on a hike? And I said, sure. So we went out to the middle of the desert to this place called the Trilobite Wilderness, uh, where you can actually go fossil hunting. And as I was going up the, uh, the hill, I started getting a weird scratch on my leg. And I thought, that's kind of odd. And so when I got home, it got worse and worse. And I eventually went to the doctor and it turns out that I actually had shingles, which is something generally reserved for elderly folks. But um, um, super painful. Yeah, it was it was horrendous. So I basically worked my immune system down to a point where it just couldn't combat that inherent you know thing that's built into everybody when they have I think it's from chicken pox. So I ended up being bedridden for two weeks. I couldn't wear any clothes. I had to just lay on my stomach and just the pain of even sheets on me was was horrendous. And I think that was another eye opener for me that I had to really change things. That's so, quite an eye opener. Yeah. It's yeah, kinda, that's a real warning. Yeah. And, it, and, and it's funny because like, I think a week after I had the shingles, I saw an ad on TV about a vaccine for shingles, which is really well timed. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a clear warning that yeah. you needed to change things. And yeah. is that where your interest in wearable devices developed yeah. from? Yeah, that was that, that was a big impetus for it. But I think um, what I was really disappointed by was when I actually played with a lot of these wearables. I probably had about four or five ones that I played around with. Um, the inherent technology, you know, I being an engineer, I like to take things apart as well. So after I used the things and I deemed them less than adequate, I took them apart and started looking at the electronics inside. And I found that, you know, they weren't overly complex. There wasn't a lot into them. And I always found that when I look at these things, they have a really, you know, a decent form factor because it's something that's mounted on your wrist and they're trying to emulate what you'd see with a watch. But inside, there's a lot of real estate. There's a lot of area that could be used for a number of other things. And it was kind of a, a, an epiphany for me that, hey, this thing could be made a lot smaller. And I was thinking I can make a really thin wrist-mounted device. I started thinking about other ways of other places that you can mount the technology that's in these wrist-mounted devices. And around that same time, my brother was getting married. And I remember vividly that he was showing me his wedding ring. It was a platinum band. And it was just really elegant. It was simple. It was just a, I mean, it was almost like a piece of PVC pipe that's kind of cut to a perfect length and, you know, polished beautifully. And that that kind of resonated with, with me. And I thought this would be an awesome challenge, you know, to try to see if I could take the technology from these wearable devices and pack them into something much smaller and be something that you could wear all the time. And you don't have that irritation that you have uh, with the wrist-mounted devices. And of course, if you think about it, it is the only external thing that we will wear on our bodies yeah. pretty much full-time. Yeah, aside from like earrings or something like that, right? So I, I feel like most of the time, I, when you go to take a shower, think about what you wear when you take a shower. You're not wearing your watch. Typically, you're not wearing your fitness band. You're always wearing your wedding ring. Uh, so I think that that was kind of an eye-opener for me, the fact that people have worn these things for thousands of years, um, the, the comfort is there, you know, there's an initial kind of zone where when you're first wearing jewelry, that's kind of, it's a little bit weird. Um, but after a couple days, uh, I was completely all in. I, I felt like that was the, the right, right way to go. So how did you set about getting the technology into the ring? Because that presumably initially was the major challenge. Yeah. And I, I think for, for me, the challenge was um, partially from a monetary perspective, because a lot of this stuff that we're doing is a little bit cutting edge, you know, curved circuit boards. Uh, are generally not things that you find in everyday life. That was a big a big challenge in itself, just figuring out how to make a, a curved circuit board. So when we first started, um, I actually sold my truck to get enough funds to actually pay for some of these prototypes. So there were, you know, machining housings. I had to do those myself by hand. Um, you know, the circuit boards, I had to outsource those and have a company make those for me. I'll buy in all the electronic development kits and 
you know, finding batteries was a huge challenge. I mean, for the first year of making this product, we didn't have a battery. So we had it wired up to a, a wrist mounted pack uh, to actually power our ring. So it was kind of counterintuitive. But, you know, as we went forward, you know, uh, as we got more and more talent on board our company, we were able to make more and more strides towards getting that form factor exactly where it needed to be. Uh, so, for instance, we spent like three weeks in China just going around from vendor to vendor to vendor trying to find a battery company that would be interested in making this for us. And in the end, we couldn't find anybody who fit the bill. You know, most people making curved batteries, they make them for large wrist-mounted devices. Uh, so getting into the the really small form factor that we have was uh, a huge hurdle. Um, in the end, what we ended up doing is we leveraged a lot of our connections that we had through our investors in Silicon Valley uh, to lead us to a company uh, who was a portfolio company for one of our investors that was able to, to make us those initial prototypes to get us over the, over the first hurdle of being able to actually make a prototype that we can put on, on a finger. Um, so yeah, that was, I, I think from the technology perspective, that, that was, it was really difficult because no one has ever done this kind of thing. You know, typically you see really flat products that are just screwed down and making something that's completely watertight that has to go into a ring form factor is a huge challenge. So the end result is the ring that you're actually wearing right yeah. now. It looks, it could potentially be a wedding ring. And yeah. you've got to really look closely to see, it's on the inside, isn't it? Yeah. You, you suddenly see the, the sensors there contained within this ring. Yeah, and I think, you know, for me, the the excitement is making something that's just minimalist and elegant. You know, I, I think when we first started, we, uh, we really wanted to have a form factor that people would be okay with wearing all the time. You know, there's a lot of ways that you can go about doing this. You could put a big block on the top of the ring with a, with a battery pack in it and say, Hey, it's a ring. But, but for us, we're, we have a, we have a design aesthetic that's user first. We say, this is the way we want it to be. This is what it needs to be for users to be happy with this thing. And we work our way in. And there were a lot of challenges along the way. It's like, for instance, you know, what do we make this thing out of to make it durable? Because it's not like a wrist-mounted device where you might glance off something or you might get it wet. We definitely are always going to be encountering everything that you grab onto throughout your life. We're always going to be getting your hands wet when you wash your hands. Um, so there's just a lot of usability challenges around that. But, you know, always kind of keeping in mind the end user and working our way in was a, was a big thing for us to try to make sure that it was a, adopted. And it, it is totally waterproof. You, you can do manually yeah. the washing up with the ring. Yeah, I mean, you can take a shower, you can take a bath. Yeah, exactly. You can I go mean, swimming. Yeah, you can go scuba dive with this thing if you wanted to. I mean, it's um, it took a lot of effort. I think it took us several months to actually get the waterproofing uh, to a point that made sense. And it's funny because when we had our first prototypes, we actually didn't have the waterproofing in place. And we had these prototypes that cost about $2,000 a piece. And our entire team had these prototypes. And we found that we were having a lot of units um, that were being destroyed by people washing their hands because they forgot they were wearing it, hmm. which was, it's really, it's bad, but it's also good in the fact that, hey, I think we have something here when, when they know exactly how much this thing costs and yet they still wash their hands because they forgot it was there. You know, so I think that was a big eye opener for us that I think we're on the right track. So crucially, what does it measure? So right now we, we measure uh, heart rate. That's the big one. Uh, we measure that throughout the day and it's kind of, uh, it's dynamic based on your activity level. So if you're sitting on a couch, like we are right now, it's measuring maybe once every five to 10 minutes. Uh, the minute you start getting up and it sees some activity, like, you know, step-based activity, like I start running or I jog or I do jumping jacks or whatever it happens to be. Uh, the heart rate go the heart rate sensor kicks into high gear. 
Uh, so we have an accelerometer that actually measures that at the other activities that the heart rate sensor can't measure. So that would be like step-based activities or anything that involves a major amount of motion. Um, so those two things work together in actuality. We actually use the accelerometer to, uh, to get rid of a lot of motion uh, artifacts. So when you have a wearable device like a wrist-mounted device, if it's really loose, uh, as it moves around, it changes the signal that you're getting from the sensor. Uh, so the heart rate sensor that we have is called a PPG sensor. So it uses uh, um, light to actually measure your heart rate. So it shoots light through your skin. It measures the reflected light coming back, and we're able to actually ascertain what your heart rate is. Uh, so that that's so the technology. Is, is that the same technology as my watch here? And yeah. as, as the band that I would normally, perhaps in the olden days, wear a band across my chest? Yeah, so the, most watches these days are using PPG sensors. So they basically using light to, to get your heart rate. Uh, the chest straps that you're talking about, those are like, you know, those have been around for quite a while, but those are based on off ECG. So it's using uh, electrocardiogram. So essentially it's basically measuring the energy that's that's created by your heart as it beats um i mean i've used those many times and yeah and, and they work well but they're just not particularly comfortable to wear yeah and, and and we had uh we had a very um we had a varied experience with that right so when when we were doing our data collection uh for for this ring we had to do a lot of data collection around sleep around different activities and in order to have a truth source, you want something that's generally generally accepted as being a truth source. So the chest straps are generally really accurate. Um, there are times when they lose signals. So, like for instance, if you aren't sweating enough, the signal isn't there, and you'll lose a you'll lose the heart rate signal. Uh, but we use that as our truth source for the most part. We also have foot pods, so we actually put a, a thing on your foot. So every single step, we know exactly when there's a step because we see the acceleration go to zero. Uh, so these true sources are really important for us because we use that as to, to gauge how accurate we are with our data. So when we have measurements coming off the, the ring for activity levels or for heart rate, we, we can correlate that with the data we take off these true sources, and then we can gauge how good we're doing compared to what everyone else is doing. So it's measuring, crucially, your heart rate. Right. And it seems to be focused, therefore, on activity, on exercise. That's when it really kicks in. So is it fair to say that this is aimed at people who are particularly active and want to focus their measuring on that activity? Yeah, I mean, we we have, um, you know, there's several types of users out there. There's people who want to get more fit, and those are the people that might buy the really inexpensive fitness bands. You have the people that understand the value of, of being fit and actually doing activities that, that increase your heart health. And then you have the people that are off the deep end that are doing marathons that have, you know, the, the watches that give you every single amount of data you could possibly imagine. So we look at ourselves as kind of in the middle. You know, we're, we want to be able to allow people who understand the value of, of having a fit lifestyle uh, to, to gauge that more accurately throughout their day. And so essentially, you know, we want to get away from that dynamic of having it so that you're only putting this device on when you're doing an activity. We want to be that device that since you're wearing it all the time, you're capturing that data throughout the day. Um, but the bigger thing is we're even capturing it throughout the night. So your watch most likely is sitting on your nightstand charging while you're sleeping and you're losing a lot of really valuable data. Uh, so, you know, resting heart rate information is really valuable when you're trying to gauge, you know, your fitness level. And if your resting heart rate's getting better or worse, that's a really good indicator to your heart health. Um, since we actually are on you all the time with this ring, we actually 
can measure that information throughout the evening. And when you get up in the morning, we can see when you went to bed, when you got up, but we also have a really decent number that we can use to represent your your health throughout the rest of the week, your resting heart rate. And you can capture that resting heart rate while I'm asleep. It, yes. it takes a measurement every few minutes. Yeah, so we, it really depends. I mean, we, we measure your, how much you roll around in bed um, and things like that. Those aren't necessarily metrics that we put into the app and show people, but we do have that information. We use that in conjunction with your heart rate and we periodically pull I think so, around so, so you have more information so. than you actually tell me. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a little concerning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who who sees that information or potentially can see that? So I mean, I th- when you look at when you look at algorithms that you run on on a, any device, any fitness device, there's there's a lot of metrics that you might have that you might not necessarily need to message to people, right? So, for instance, heart rate. It's it's great to figure out. Uh, if you're being active, you know, when you're doing steps, when you're just walking from here to the refrigerator, that could be a very aggressive activity where you're jumping up and down, or it could be something really casual where you're strolling. Um, so the heart rate basically factors into the intent, trying to figure out the intensity level of the activities that you're doing throughout the day. Uh, so there are other metrics that we, that we capture, we capture ambient light. We do all these other things to try to make our data even more accurate. Um, but those are things that I don't think is necessarily 100% necessary for a user to, to have, right? I mean, do you care what the ambient light level is, right? So, I suppose you might in your bedroom, right? So, but I but I think the the takeaway is so like when it comes to um, when it comes to sleep, you know, one of the things that we've seen with a lot of competitors is that they they have very verbose information. They'll say when you had deep sleep, when you had light sleep, when you had REM sleep. But then when for us as a company, we asked ourselves, what value does that give to a, to a consumer? And the answer was not much. You know, if you if you go to bed with a goal of getting more REM sleep, what are you going to actually do to, to get that goal? Right. So for us, we're, we're presenting things to users that can actually be something they can actually impact. Right. So we tell them when you went to bed and when you got up, what your average sleep trend is. And you can you can essentially look at that and go, wow, my sleep trend is terrible. I'm getting no sleep over the last three weeks. I should probably try to get better. And as a company, we're constantly adding more and more functionality to what is actionable, right? We want to have data that people can look at and go, hey, I can I can make a change on this instead of just having to look at a graph and ascertain what's coming out of that graph, right? You don't need a degree in math with our app versus other apps you might. You know, so I think for us that's the challenge. That's the challenge. It's always to make an elegant product that can help people get towards their goals without necessarily throwing so much information at them that they just get frustrated and throw it in a drawer. And to what extent did you do market research? And I, I mentioned in the introduction that I mean, I'm quite into sensors and apps right. and measuring biomarkers and all that kind of stuff. Not everyone is. And some people do actually want their concern, but they want it to be easy. Yeah. How big a market is that? So I, I think when you look at the the entire wearable market, it's it's really substantial. I mean, if you if you look at what happens with a lot of our competitors, those are those things are usually gifted, right? So a very large percentage of one of our competitors is just from holidays. It's like you know friends and relatives giving these things out to somebody as a gift. Um, so those those kind of consumers are are great opportunities for a company like us. Um, but for us, what we really want is we want to have people who understand the value of that coming right out of the chute. They understand that, hey, if I work out every day, it's going to lead to a much better lifestyle in the long run. Or if I get a certain amount of active minutes per week, and that's one of the things we track is how many minutes per week that you're actually active, that's elevated heart rate, that's elevated step count, that's not just steps. Um, so for us, it's, it's giving the information that people 
um, can actually look and see where they're trending and they could see that, hey, my active minutes are going up or my active minutes are going down throughout the week. And then you could you could put a focused effort towards the end of the week to actually wrap that up and get where you need to go instead of having a step count every day that you're trying to hit and you get frustrated, right? So if you have 10,000 step goal per day and you hit 200 steps on your first day, you're very likely to go, oh, this is frustrating, right? The next day you do the same thing. And it and I feel like a lot of the applications out there are, are very much, um, they're very pessimistic. You know, they're not optimistic. They're not trying to motivate you to get better. They're, they're more just kind of giving you a very clinical view of your life. Um, so I think, I think the customers that we're trying to go for are the people that understand the value, but don't necessarily want to be weighed down and uh, brought down by the clinical nature of a lot of the stuff that's out there. We want to be a little bit more upbeat. We want to give them valuable information that they can actually take action on. Well, that's the key. And, and you, you said it a second ago. It's going to give people valuable information to perhaps educate them on how to live their lives moving forward. Right. And that's, to my mind, what this is all about. It isn't just the today. It's how to eat, how to exercise, how to drink, how to organize my life yeah. so that I can optimize health and vitality and curious from your perspective you you've been wearing the yeah. ring where what is your mindset in terms of your own longevity it's interesting because when i started the company my goal was to get more sleep my goal was to get um, more activity throughout my day um, but i think the one of the interesting facts is being in a startup in silicon valley everything is against you to do that kind of thing right and uh, the the challenge for me has always been to try to at least get better on the sleep side of things. Um, so I, I look at it on a daily basis and look at my sleep and go, oh, wow, it's, it's, it's really kind of phenomenal that my trend, when I, when I look at my trends for my sleep, how substantially um, similar every single night is. And a part of it's due to my commute, right? Because I have, I have to hit it, get to the plane every day and it's on a set schedule and I don't get to sleep in some days and not sleep in others. Um, so for me, that's been an eye opener as far as how, how clinical and how precise my sleep is every single night. Um, from the fitness perspective, um, one of the advantages to having a wearable company that's going after fitness is that we do actually do a lot of fitness in, in the company itself. We have fitness activities every week where the entire company goes out. Uh, whenever we have one-on-one um, -on -one sessions with employees and we have to talk about you know, any kind of schedule things or features, uh, we typically go outside of the office and we'll do a brisk walk around and we'll, we'll actually talk and, and walk. And th that's kind of an interesting activity because we're, we're, we're testing the product as well as getting things done. Which so is it's the nice. walking meeting that people yeah. often talk about these days. It, and it works really well. And it's for us, it's kind of exciting when, when we have two different people with two different physiological makeups and two different apps running. And when we come back and compare our times and our, our walks are exactly the same, it's, it's, it's really it's fun to know that we, we made this product that can do that kind of thing. Um, but I think other aspects too is like we do a lot of internal testing. We have a treadmill, we have a bike, we have weights, and we periodically will take people from the company and put them on a on a bike and just push them until they're just asking for mercy. You know, so it's <laughs> it, it it irritates our next door neighbors under underneath us a little bit, but it's it's something that we are continually doing to improve our metrics and and do A B comparisons with competitors and things like that. So go to work and have a stress test. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned getting up early to get the plane. You yeah. actually commute from Burbank to the Bay Area to right. Oakland yeah. every day. So how much sleep do you get? Every single day, I think around anywhere from four and a half to five hours. That's um, not much. It's not. And it's, it's, it's really, um, for me, I've found that I don't really feel like I need more. 
on weekends when I sleep in, I actually feel more tired than typical. Uh, and I think a lot of that's just because of the disparity between the week and the weekend, right? It's like I get five hours in on the weekend, there's an opportunity to sleep in. Uh, but typically I'll wake up at the exact same time I do during the weekday. And then I realize it's a weekend and I'll sleep. I'll try to sleep a couple more hours. Uh, but usually I wake up, I'm very awake. I don't, I don't feel lethargic or tired or anything like that. It's, it's changed over the last several years for me. And most of it's, I, I really try to step away from any kind of caffeine you know, I, I used to be really, totally. totally. I don't drink any caffeine at all. Maybe aspirin every once in a while, but that's about it. But I, but I think what was kind of interesting, my lifestyle, when I was working, um, in a nine to five job in a cubicle, I would come home and I'd play video games all night. I'd be drinking Coke and Pepsi all the time. And it was just a really, really bad thing. And, and I remember just cutting it off cold Turkey, no more soda. And, uh, it was, it was really great. And I, and I think it's, I can remember like when I stopped drinking soda and I went to just drinking water and when I was drinking Coke and Pepsi, I would drink water and go, ah, this is terrible. But now it's, I love water. It's great. And I, and I think a lot more people should do it. It's, I think there are, there are a ton of reasons not to drink soda, aren't there? Yeah. Well, I mean, just from the, the high, you know, the high fructose corn syrup, sugar, whatever sugar. it happens to be, but the caffeine was the big thing for me that I just didn't want anymore. Do you drink alcohol? periodically but not not to a not, large not on a daily basis no i mean it's like so you're doing a lot of good stuff to optimize your sleep yeah yeah i think i think it really weighs in but but on the beer subject i am german so i have to <laughs> everyone's now and then yeah exactly <laughs> so you feel as if you are quite comfortable with the sleep that you're getting your lifestyle frenetic though it seems to be seems to al- allow for good solid sleep yeah i think i think i i'm much better at the sleep and mostly because my stress level is a lot less than it used to be you know when you're trying to find ways of making new products to cover your expenses every single month it's a very stressful environment and i think having a company where i have a lot of really talented people that i can I, I know 100% they're going to execute on what we need to do. And, and having the budget and the backing to be able to make an awesome product has is, is really made my life a lot easier. Is this the going. only product of the company at the moment? This is the current only product, yeah. I mean, we have we have a pretty substantial roadmap where we want to go. Um, where do you want to go? I, the, the immediate stuff is, you know, continue to make the, the ring that we have better and better. You know, I think for us... Um, the advantage that we have as a product is the fact that we have something you can wear all the time, right? But there's still some fundamental limitations in terms of what you can do with batteries today, right? So we have generally about a three to five day battery life, and we really want to extend that to even more. So we're doing a lot of things from our, an R&D perspective to extend our battery life. Uh, we're doing a lot of things from from a system level to make our system power even lower than it is now. Uh, but the end goal is to always make this a better and better experience for the customer and getting more and more functionality from sensors and battery life and storage life and things like that to, to make the experience even better. And do you see yourself developing other products in this field? So products that are aligned to, to health? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of exciting areas. I mean, um, you know, there's a lot of wrist-worn devices that can do some pretty interesting things. Um, there's a lot of hearable devices, which are pretty impressive. There's patches. There's, there's a number of different things out there. Whenever we're deciding about where we want to go for a pro- from a product perspective, we're always trying to keep the user in mind. And when I think about patches, I think about having to replace them every two or three days, uh, which doesn't sound like fun, especially people that might have you know, a lot of hair. And then there's like, you know, you can you could also look at like earrings, uh, for instance, um, that that really limits your demographic in terms of, you know, the folks that are going to be using the device. So I think for me, the challenge is trying to find better sensors uh, to increase battery life, to make the form factor 
make the form factor better for people so that they're more likely to use it all the time. Uh, but the exciting part for me is when you start looking at the medical benefits in the long run, right? So um, for me, I have, my father has Parkinson's disease and he gets up and his his heart isn't as strong as it used to be. So his he basically faints on a periodic basis every time he stands up. And what really excites me about this industry with wearables in general is as we get better and better sensors to be able to start mitigating risk of those kind of events. You know, when we can proactively know if you're going to have a heart attack or a stroke or when we can proactively say you're about to faint because of low blood pressure. I think that's the exciting run for me is when when you can get to that point where you have something you can wear all the time and always be monitoring. And I think one of the exciting things and other guests have talked about this is the situation where you get up in the morning and essentially get a readout yeah and this can be a, a digital readout or whatever but you you know where you are you know what the biomarkers are, are saying yeah whether it's blood or as you say blood pressure yeah or whatever you need to know to start your day and perhaps tweak things accordingly perhaps realize that you haven't slept enough and you maybe need to take it a little easier or have an early night or whatever just to get back on track yeah and, and for us what we're trying to do is like in, in our application right now, we're giving very focused information about your activity level and your sleep. Um, for, for the long term, we want to be more actionable for folks. We want to be able to say, hey, yesterday you got terrible sleep. Maybe you should try working out a little bit more to make that sleep better. Or basically give people direction throughout the day that could help them alleviate some of the problems they might be seeing on a daily basis. But the the dashboard when you wake up is pretty exciting to be able to say, hey, you did terrible. You need to do better today. Here's what here's how you could do it. But I but I think having the ability to have the smarts and a device to be able to make those measurements, to be able to give to get enough information off the human body to be actually to to be able to make those kind of claims and those kind of statements is is really exciting. Uh, so the company you mentioned before that's doing the implantable stuff, that's some amazing technology. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. I don't know if we'll be the company to do that. In all honesty, I have a huge aversion to anything that pokes me. Yeah, I really hate needles, so I don't know if I could get myself to put an implant in. Well, that's why I phrased the introduction in the way that I did, that we're yeah. all made different and we all have yeah. different comfort levels. A little micro sensor the size of an eyelash in the top of my arm wouldn't make much difference to me. I, yeah. I think I could stomach the, the few seconds it takes to implant something like that. And the concept, just the concept of having its, an external body inside you turns a lot of people off. Again, yeah. it wouldn't particularly bother me, but we're all made differently. Yeah, and I think it really is going to depend on the value that it brings to you, right? So if, if it's a matter of putting something in you for a momentary pain that's going to give you an immense benefit for making your life last longer, I, I think I could persuade myself to do that. And most of the time when, you, when you're when you getting your blood tested, there's a very good reason for that. It's not just because you want to get your blood taken out, right? So I feel like it, there really has to be a value on that side of it. And for us... The, the, the trick is we're going to try to push the bounds as much as possible to make external measurements to give as much of the insights that you're trying to get through these implantables. And I, I don't know how far we can go, but we're going to push the bounds as far as we can to get that information. I think one dilemma for a lot of people, and it certainly is for me, is that, that what you're doing kind of overlaps with what a lot of other companies and, and organizations are doing. We've mentioned the watch, we've mentioned the straps and various other devices mm -hmm. that people are using. It's becoming a quite a crowded marketplace, isn't yeah. it? How are you approaching that challenge? So when we when we first started the company about three and a half years ago, the, the market wasn't as crowded. Uh, you know, I think when we first started, heart rate sensors on your wrist were very rare. Uh, over the past few years, it's, it's gotten more and more pervasive. When you look at the wearable space in general, 
Um, there's, there's a few different ways people go about it. You could have wrist mounted devices. You could have, you know, there's several companies that are making, uh, hearing, hearing devices like, uh, you know, ear pods that actually go in and make, measure your heart rate and things like that. Um, I think the advantage that we bring to the table is form factor in all honesty, having something that is so light, so elegant, so quiet and understated, it, it really allows you to monitor your health to a degree that you can't currently do. You know, when you take your device off every single night, um, you're missing a lot of valuable data. Or if you put the device on only when you're working out, you're losing a lot of data. So we want to have something that can live with you, that you can take to a cocktail event or that you can go swimming with or you can go do in your, any workout that you want to do. Um, we wanted to have something that's invisible. you know. And I think that's a big takeaway from what differentiates us from what's out there in the marketplace. So I think from a technology perspective and a performance perspective, we're, we're very similar in that regard to what a lot of companies can offer. Uh, but I think the form factor is a big part of it. Um, you know, for me, the I really hate wrist-mounted devices, especially when I'm wearing long sleeve shirts and get stuck on it all the time. Uh, and the fashion component's kind of irritating for a number of people. And I and I think the other one is just like just looking at the the stigma that's associated with wearing a, a fitness-based device, right? If you are trying to lose weight or you're trying to be fit you might not want everybody to know that. And I think having this kind of device where you don't necessarily have to tell anybody about it, but you can, if you want to, you know, I think giving people that latitude and putting the decision in the, in the consumer's hands, instead of making it so flashy and so obvious that they don't really have a choice in the matter. That's interesting. Is there data to show that people feel stigmatized by wearing wristbands, for example, because they know they're overweight and need to do something about it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not necessarily just the overweight aspect, but I think, you know, a lot of the users that we've spoken to, they've, they've had a lot of comments around, Hey, it would be really cool if I don't actually have to tell, if people didn't actually see them doing this, you know? And I, I think it really depends on the individual. Some people are fine with it and they just want to get better. Some people aren't. Um, but I think it's a user by user basis. But from what I've seen, a lot of our users are really happy with the ability to just not even have to worry about it and not even have to tell anybody about it. And of course, you get the types who want to show it off and yeah. let the world know that they've got the latest gadgets. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, I'm probably one of those, but I'm biased, you know, but I, I spent... <laughs> it's interesting what you were saying about wristbands. I stopped wearing a watch a, a few years ago because my phone is always with me and one click and one press and you can yeah. see what time it is. But then watches developed and they could do all sorts of stuff. And I'm wearing one now yeah. because of the extra information that it'll give me, not just the traditional time. Yeah. And I think we saw that with the ring, right? So when we, when we first started, I, I honestly asked myself if I could wear a ring all the time. And I made a prototype of the form factor that we're going to have. And I just tried it for a while and said, hey, I, it's not a big deal for me. But I think in general, some people just are not jewelry people. They just don't want to wear rings. They don't want to wear necklaces. They don't want to wear bracelets. And that's definitely a, a hurdle that has to be overcome. But I think a lot of it boils down to what, what I said earlier. What does the value that it brings to the table? And is it worth whatever perceived negative side effects might, might be there, right? So for like the wrist-mounted devices... You know, you don't want to wear a watch, but the the data that it's giving you is so valuable that it makes it worth your while to do it and get over that aversion to wearing a watch, right? And I think that's, for me, what we're really trying to do is we're, we're trying to get people to understand that the, the, the better your heart health is, the longer you're going to be on this planet. And that's a, that's a really big reason to, to want to wear a technology device. That is what has pushed people from uh, watches to fitness specific trackers, you know, and I, and I think one of the interesting things that I saw in the past is that when you look at uh, some of the original um, just rubber bands that a lot of uh, organizations used to put out for like cancer or for uh, any kind of uh, sporting activities, things like that. 
But before those, I don't think people would even want to wear any bracelets, right? There, there's a there's a definite fashion component there, but wearing a rubber band on your wrist before a lot of these cancer type of uh, wrist mounted devices, I don't think we're really there, you know. So I, and I think the that kind of laid the groundwork for 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 companies to make these fitness trackers that you see today, and we're really hoping that. Uh, a lot of the interest around our device is that same kind of thing. It's like you might not have wanted to wear a ring before, but now maybe you do. You mentioned the amount of time that we might be on this planet. Yeah. I, I'm curious to know, and I generally ask most people I, I talk to for this podcast about their own long, longevity and aspirations. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? I do. I, I feel like um, I am always cognizant of that. You know, Every single day that I get up and I get on a plane, I, I think about how many gamma rays I'm being bombarded with. And I'm thinking, is this a good thing? You know, so I, I, I'm always kind of trying to make evaluations on what, what's going to be bad for me in the long run. So from what I eat, and there's a number of times where I just break down and I can't avoid the cake. But I'm really trying to make strides towards towards eating better. I'm trying to make strides towards having better, a better fitness life. Uh, and this device that we're making is definitely helping me get there. Um, but one of the interesting things is like the the insight that it gives you, and all those times where you weren't even paying attention. You know, so for me, one of the interesting things was I was talking with my tax advisor uh, a couple months ago, and I was looking at my raw data for the time period when I was talking to him, and I saw my heart rate spike and stay there for a long time. So it's it's kind of cool to have this data available to you that you can actually use to kind of give you some guardrails on your life. You could say, hey, you know, every single time I go to these meetings, my heart rate is just pegged. This can't be good for me. What can I do to try to mitigate the risk, you know? And I think for us, that having this data, you know, right now we're specifically looking at fitness and sleep um, activities and things like that. But I think from more of a lifestyle perspective, you know, when we get more holistic and we could say, hey, you know, every single time you go to work and you do this particular thing, it's really not good for you. You need to, you need to find a way to make this better. Uh, so I think those kind of insights are going to be kind of interesting as we go forward. But uh, for me particularly, I, I love I love getting as much data about me as possible. And having that data, I think, is going to make it easier in the long run to, to try to get better, uh, to give me a little bit more time. It's, it's really fascinating. Yeah. And this has been a great conversation, uh, Kurt. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much as well. And if you would like to comment on this interview, actually, I'd be curious to know about your attitudes towards wearable devices. You can make suggestions about future interviews as well by contacting us through our website at llamapodcast.com. You can also follow us and leave messages on Facebook and Twitter at Llama Podcast. Thanks for listening. Flexbeam is a portable red light therapy device that's now being used by leading athletes, including the Norwegian tennis player Kasper Rude. Whenever you put the Flexbeam on, you feel it starts to work right away. I need something that can help repair all the fibres that I have broken in the surfs. The infrared lights penetrate your skin and makes the muscle tissue recover faster. Flexbeam, I keep it with me all the time. Recharge Health is offering Llama Podcast listeners an $80 discount on the purchase of a FlexBeam device. Go to the website recharge.health and use the code LLAMA at checkout. That's L-L-A-M-A. You'll also find the link in the show notes for this episode.